0: Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor, and Pastor Charles Roberts.
1: Thanks for joining us today. To say we're bombarded with ads that encourage the old and even the young to plan for their retirement is an understatement. Much of these ads propose that one needs to make sure that he or she can survive during the retirement years in a comfortable and beneficial way, especially if you are living longer than the actuary tables that project when people should die. What we're discussing today is a topic that came as a result of one of our listeners asking the following question. Is it normal to stop working? if we are healthy and able to work? Now, Charles, this is an important question, as it requires us to look biblically at the entire concept and practically. So, what does the Bible say about retirement and work? And is there an expiration date on service to the kingdom of God?
0: Well, the short answer to the first part of that question is the Bible says absolutely nothing about retirement. Uh, when you do a little bit of research on the topic, you find that it was largely something invented in the 1950s, as best I can determine from the work I did on it. And, uh, but the Bible has certainly says a lot about work. In John 9 verse 4, Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And a slightly more paraphrased version of that says, as long as the day lasts, we must carry out the work of the one who sent me. You know, we could take that in different context, but it's still a a good list of a marching order about how we are to live in the world where the Lord has placed us. Like I said, the modern idea of, quote, retirement is something that really is a cultural idea that came about primarily in these United States, maybe 50, 75 years ago.
1: And maybe that was part of encouraging people that there'll come a point where Social Security will take care of all your needs and... Maybe people, if you looked at the average age of when a person passed, uh, according to how insurance tables would be worked out, maybe it was figured that the majority of people wouldn't live that long anyway, so we won't have an issue. But what a lot of people don't know in terms of our history, things like compulsory education, high school going past the 10th grade, let's say 11th and 12th, really wasn't because there was all this additional things that the children, the students hadn't had a chance to learn before. It was really to keep them out of the workplace so that they wouldn't take the jobs of someone else who maybe was supporting a family and needed the income. And I'm wondering if a lot of the retirement idea has something to do with that, that once we retire someone, then um, we can bring in people who will require less money that it isn't because we think it's actually better for them.
0: Yeah, people need to understand or come to appreciate that we live in a world where things are primarily not as they have been presented to us by the fallen world system. Uh, the, the state is always and ever attempting to take the place of God and his authority in life. And as you referred to a moment ago, uh, the issue of retirement and work is um, not immune to those efforts. So we will take care of you in your retirement. We're going to give you Social Security. That's one plank of that. So people need to think clearly and to, to really come to grips with the fact that we live in a fallen world system where Satan and his emissaries are working in various ways to continually attempt to subvert God's kingdom and its forward movement in this world. And this, is of course, has been a long-standing battle. And at various times, to appearances at least, the satanic powers seem to have gained the uppermost. Uh, for example, during the era of the Roman Empire, which covered a vast amount of time and territory, you had similar things uh, taking place in terms of the state uh, and the government's desire to control just about every aspect of a person's life We will provide you security. We will take care of you. And if we don't like you, we will toss you aside and and throw
1: you away. So with the whole emphasis now that we're seeing in Canada, and Canada is not the first, I think places in Scandinavia certainly were already doing this. You take people who have retired, and maybe as they get older, there's some health issues. Now they're looked at as whether they're beneficial to society or not are being encouraged, don't be a burden on other people. Maybe the most charitable thing you can do is to end your own life. So when people stop feeling purposeful, which often is what happens in retirement, that a once vibrant individual who had responsibilities and people actually depended on that person suddenly feels archaic and it doesn't matter if I live or die, they're going to be much more vulnerable to the message of do everybody a favor and just take yourself out.
0: Yes, and that, of course, is one of the great aims of uh, Satan, to destroy that which God has created. And the primary crowning achievement, if I can put it that way, of God's creation, of course, is man. And Satan is ever attempting to cause us to find ways to do ourselves in or have other people do us in. But your point is well taken about the uh, uselessness that some people feel in, you know, signing on to this way of thinking about life. One of my enduring memories of one of my pastorates of a church I served, I uh, was visiting with an older couple in the church. They had been members of this church for many, many, many decades. And the man um, in the uh, in the marriage, He was well beyond his 80s, and I remember sitting with him and talking. And he was in, you know, reasonably good health. There wasn't a hospital visit or anything. It was just a, you know, pastoral visit in the living living room. And I remember him looking at me and said, "I've got to ask you a question." And I said, "Sure." He said, "Why am I still here?" (laughs) And and it was, I think it was a struggle. On the one hand, my my first impulse was, well, I mean, the guy is, you know, pushing 90 years of age. And I guess that would be a reasonable question, but I didn't really have a context to put that in until I just started thinking about this when, you know, we talked about doing this topic. And that's a point, I think, that uh, bears out what you were saying. This man, and he I mean, he wasn't in tears, but he was genuinely struggling with what kind of meaning his life could possibly have at this stage where he really wasn't doing anything except sitting around looking at the four walls. And that's what he pretty much had been told to do.
1: Yeah. So we think about retirement one of the things you like to do is rephrase a famous biblical passage in terms of a humanistic perspective and then say, no, that's not what it says. So let's go back to the days of creation. And on the seventh day, God retired. No, yes. God God didn't retire. He rested. And if you go then to the commandment, the Sabbath commandment, which is equally a work and a rest commandment, It says, because this is how God did it, we should do it. So instead of looking at retirement after you put in your 20 years or retirement when you get to 63 or 65 or whatever it is, we should look at in terms of God's pattern is to rest one day in seven. God's pattern is to take one year as a sabbatical year out of seven years. And then of course you make it all the way to the forty ninth and fiftieth year and you have a double Sabbath or what the Bible refers to as the Jubilee, which would be the second Sabbath after the 49th. So when we order our lives in such a way that we're not doing it biblically, we're putting, you know, all our efforts into twenty four seven and work from bell to bell and and you know, just give it all and that's considered meritorious. By the time someone gets older and the body starts going, and eh, this is not moving as well as it used to, then the idea of retirement seems like well, maybe this is a good idea. When the pattern biblically, as you put it, there there is no retirement.
0: One of the you know you mentioned well it mentioned the example in John nine four, uh, you know which Jesus spoke those words long after the week of creation. But he indicates there his father is still working, and he we are participating in the works that he wants us to do. But much earlier than that, and uh, this passage in Numbers is one that Dr. Rastuni commented on in his uh, commentary on the book of Numbers in the Pentateuch. In Numbers 8, verses 23 to 26, uh, we read this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites. From 25 years old and upward, they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. Now, let me just say, it doesn't stop there. It goes on. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Levites in assigning their duties. So the point is, yeah, at a certain point in age, the the type of work that they're doing changes. But they don't just go sit out back somewhere and, you know, count their holy cards. They're still working in a different capacity.
1: Right, right. And so, again, this is where we have a distorted view of why we're here. So to answer the question of that man, why are we here? Well, we're here to serve God and keep his commandments. So a change of job and the way in which you'll make an income. So you have a, a a profession or you have a business and some modern technological thing replaces it. I think of all the people who used to process film. You don't see film processing places anymore because now everybody's got a a phone that has a camera and they can store their own pictures. Well, that person may be retired from that business or that job, but then you find something else to do that will be able to support you and your family or just start another business that satisfies someone's need. So, our calling under God isn't tied into our job only a lot of times it's going to be tied into that but as you said there're certain things that you can't do after a certain point so you wouldn't expect somebody 80 years old to be climbing up a pole to fix a broken you know power line
0: no and you know i believe one of the parables jesus told was you know about the master coming home and finding that the work he had assigned to different servants, uh, how they had handled that. Yeah, I mean, the Lord gives us a certain amount of time in this physical world to do things. I mean, the idea is not that we must work until we just literally drop dead with a hammer in our hand where we're getting ready to hit a nail on the head. Uh, but the type of work we do later in life is going to be different than what we do earlier for reasons that you just mentioned. But the key takeaway in in terms of what the the main topic is here is that retirement It's not a biblical concept. It's more of a a cultural concept of this decadent age. And so as long as the Lord gives us breath, well, that's the answer to that man's question. I mean, the fact why he's still there, the fact that he's still breathing and for his age and reasonably good health is that the Lord still has work for him to do. And I think that another part of the satanic attack on God's way of life and God's standards is you know, finagling people into this kind of scenario where they do have to ask that question, and especially if they wind up alone, either because of the death of a spouse or whatever the circumstance. And I think uh, somewhere else in one of Dr. Rastuni's books, I'm trying to think, it might have been in Revolt Against Maturity, somewhere I was reading, he made reference to the fact that uh, it's a known statistic that when people retire, they don't live much longer beyond retirement. I, I, I know there are, you know variations in that uh, that claim uh, but i i think that is an accurate statement
1: well sure especially for a man i would say because if a man has been providing and and his um what the revenues he brings into the family has allowed the the wife the mother to raise the children and many people who are homeschooling it can feel as though life is over what, what good am i anymore i'm just this appendage but when you think about what the Bible says in Proverbs sixteen thirty one, it says, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So if you're an old guy or an old gal and you're past the point that somebody wants you to, let's say, continue surgery. If you're, if you're a, a, a surgeon and your eyes are not as good as they used to be, everybody thinks it's a good idea or should that you don't continue doing it. But to then say, well, all my years of experience, all the understanding that I've acquired is of no value, well, that surgeon who can't see well enough to operate any longer is in a position to teach, counsel, mentor, and actually help the people in his area, his community, his neighborhood, his family, his extended family, his church, to understand things that... You only would really understand because of the nuanced experience that you have. So this whole idea that I'm too old, I'm now, you know, put me out to pasture sort of thing is not a biblical concept. And instead of trying to hide the fact that we're older, I think not only should we embrace it, but we should celebrate it. God still has us here. He could remove us at any point. He obviously has stuff for us to still do.
0: I think that it's no coincidence that one of the aims of um, the globalists and the people who are trying to manipulate the world into what they've called a great reset, included in that is the aim to keep people at home, to keep them walled into the four walls of their apartment or their cubicle glued to a screen watching Netflix or whatever it may be and ordering out and having food delivered. Because if you can be kind of isolated, then you won't live very long. And that's, you know, the way way God has made us, you know, we are to be in community and communion with others. And so if you can be put aside and isolated, you don't have the opportunity to interact with others and do the sorts of things that you would do after your years of physical work are pretty much done. Like I said, it it doesn't mean that we are to just drop dead, you know, working at at a job that we've been working at for 50, 55 years or so. There is a phase of life, as the scripture points to us in in numbers, like I read a moment ago, where we do transition to, or we should be transitioning to a different uh, phase of life, but that would mean we move into an area where we can use the gifts and skills that the Lord has given us to glorify him in, in a different way than when we were working full time. Now, for some people, that means, oh, great, I can play golf all the time and travel and enjoy the grandchildren. There's nothing wrong with that, but if the focus of That kind of transition stage is just completely on me, myself, my comfort and my enjoyment. Then that too, I think, is missing out on something the Lord has appointed for us. And so that's why I think it's very important to be in a community of believers, however you define that, whether that's, you know, church, a home church, whatever. And, you know, scripture, for example, exhorts that, uh, in the church, the older women are to, um, teach the younger. Well, If you don't have any older women in the church, the younger women can't be taught and vice versa.
1: Exactly. And think about how, I think this is really post-World War II, employers enticed people to come work for them. You know, there was health benefits. There was retirement benefits. And so a lot of people, I think, worked their job. To get their retirement, to get their pension, to get their benefits package. And it wasn't really viewed as a calling under God. So by the time all that's done and they've accrued a nice pension or their IRAs or whatever, the view is, well, now I can go out and enjoy myself. Well, how sad that you never viewed that your work was instrumental in building the kingdom. For example, Tithing supports the work of the kingdom. So if you were gainfully employed and you were taking 10% for your first tithe and you had your poor tithe and you had your rejoicing tithe, all these things would have been part and parcel of how you gave back to the Lord and obeyed him, as opposed to just looking at your job, the grind of your job, nine to five, Monday through Friday, as something that you hated well, I don't think God wants us to hate work. We're supposed to work because that's part of the commandment that says six days thou shalt work. Now you have to work honestly. You have to work responsibly. So the work that honors God is not fraudulently stealing from people or harming people or whatever. So this whole idea of putting off, um, our enjoyment and, and, and we're counting on that. I mean, I know grandparents who are actively involved in the homeschooling of their grandchildren. I know people who have, quote, unquote, retired from their jobs who are now serving in other capacities. So we don't want to tie it into what your 1099 looks like in order to, um, or your W-2 form shows, t- to say what you're doing is purposeful. You'll know it's purposeful if it's lining up with the kingdom of God.
0: Let me ask you, if I may, about um, someone that you and I are both familiar with, who I gather from what I know, you, you knew him far better than I did. Uh, and that's Dr. R.J. Rushdoony. Mm-hmm. I mean, my perception is, is that uh, the, the man worked up until the point where he really couldn't sit in a, at a desk anymore. Is that fairly accurate to say?
1: Well, if you knew Rush Dooney, you knew that whatever he was doing was purposeful. There are a couple of funny stories. Um, his wife, Dorothy, used to think when he would be out watering the lawn or the plants or whatever, the flowers, that he was wasting his time. And she would tell him to go inside because he's so he's so important. He shouldn't be wasting his time doing it. And he corrected her and he said, no, that's where I'm thinking about what I'm going to write about. So he he used the time of watering that needed to be done, but he wasn't just watering. He was also thinking about what it was he was going to write about next, what he was going to preach on next. So in his point of view, I would say that he never really thought he retired. However, there was a point where he turned over the presidency of Calcedon to his son, Mark, because he didn't have the stamina to do it, but it wasn't that he had decided that, This was no longer a work that required of him. So much so, Charles, that, and I love this story. So Rush is literally on his deathbed. His family is around him, and they're all just sort of waiting to share with him how much he means to them and such. And then he starts preaching. He starts preaching from 1 Corinthians 15 about resurrection, and this is our hope. And his son related that... At the end, he said, now, are there any questions or comments? (laughs) (laughs) So you knew Rush Dooney, that's how he ended his sermons. So from his point of view, he was still working, right? We let God decide when we graduate or we get promoted to heaven. But it's not a good plan to decide I'm done before God says you're done.
0: I believe Dr. Rustini, uh, went to be with the Lord in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And uh, the interesting thing some of our listeners can do if they're so inclined is if you go to the calcedon.edu website, you know, you can search for various and sundry articles that he's written. And more than a few of these were written just within a couple of years of his passing and at a point where probably he was, you know, uh, sick or ill enough to where he, maybe he, he obviously didn't have the output he did a few years earlier but the point is he continued to work and do the things that the lord had gifted him and given him the ability to do and uh yeah the story you told i believe not long after he passed away um, some of that was related uh in some of the um the uh, Calcedon magazine faith for all of life and i believe also uh our late brother gary north talked about that too but yeah, I mean, that, that that's a prime example of a man who, you know, dedicated his life to a certain type of work in ministry in the early phase and then to another type in a more middle part of the phase in the latter stage of his life, you know, something totally different. But the point is, he didn't rent an RV and go around, you know, various uh, golf courses and things like that in the last 10 years of his life. He he kept working.
1: Right. Most recently at the Faith and Medicine conference, there was a panel discussion at the end of the conference, and Dr. Joseph Moorcraft was one of the panelists. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out that someone had asked him when he planned to retire from being a pastor and preaching. And his answer was, when I no longer can.
0: Yes. I- I'm glad you brought that up because uh, our listeners can watch – pastor Moorcraft's uh, sermons every Sunday live on I think they have a Facebook channel at the uh, heritage reformed Presbyterian Church from coming georgia and uh it's pretty clear that like he said he has he's not backing off I mean that man has had uh, an absolute commitment to pastoral ministry and preaching as long as I've known him and long much longer than that but I think the key the key thing is that if you really understand God's plan for man, God's plan for the world, God's plan for the advancement of his kingdom, it requires work and the, the meaning our lives have and the, really the fulfilling of our lives is not, you know, uh, he who dies with the most toys wins. No, it's doing the work, whatever, however small a corner of the kingdom that may be, where the Lord says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant at the end.
1: Right. Now there's another aspect to this in line with what I just referenced with Dr. Moorcraft. And this is kind of a personal thing, but recently my husband who's still working had an encounter with a man that he had previously worked with who was now retired. And this man came up to him and said, so when are you going to retire? You know, you're an old guy, you know, here you are, you know, you don't walk like you used to and, and stuff like that. And I wasn't there when this conversation happened. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure I would have said something that maybe I would regret now, but I wasn't there. But it was amazing how much this stuck with my husband. And he sort of got introverted to the point of, am I pushing this too far? Should I be still doing this? You know, I'm my husband's over 70, so, you know, I'm not a young guy. And I was angry that this man had, sort of introverted him to question that he takes his marching orders based on the birthdays he's accumulated as opposed to his drive to serve God. And and so he's always looked at his work not only to support our family, but to support the work of the kingdom. And I do think that when people retire They may lose a kingdom focus because, let's face it, statism would not have gained the position it has if tithing agencies were still part of the fabric of Christian life. So we'll help provide scholarships for families that need help so that their children don't have to go to public school. We'll create good curriculum now that we're not necessarily teaching But we can gather all the stuff we've learned and say, these are the important things. So don't let someone convince you that you should retire because most everybody else your age is doing that. I don't think that's a proper view. And I actually think that this person may have wanted um, to feel less guilty that he's not working still. And so telling the guy who is working that maybe you shouldn't be working is a way in which to feel better. So I don't really want to put too much into his motives, but I remember being angered at the fact that someone who was getting a lot of enjoyment out of his work and using the fruits of his work to further the kingdom of God was now doubting whether or not it was the right thing to do. So... Part and parcel of being a kingdom warrior, a kingdom ambassador, is to maintain the influence you have so that your light will shine. So why would you want to limit where your light shone, right? If it's in the workplace, great. If it's in volunteering, great. But think of the people, Charles, who were most vulnerable during COVID and who were most depressed. The older folks who were in nursing homes, who were now denied their families. They were now denied access to move to a better place where they might not be infected. So I I think we have to look at retirement in a different way to realize that maybe by chasing that rabbit, we end up in positions that we really don't want to be in.
0: Yeah, and you uh, you used the term kingdom warrior, and it just made me think of something that – Probably I I should say this is a a bit of a correction to something I hinted at early on about uh, ancient Rome and its culture, because even in that pagan society, uh, they had an understanding of this that it it doesn't correspond to our modern technocratic standard. And you can see this reflected, and I think historical there's historical accuracy in this movie, Uh, in the movie that came out, I think, in the year 2000, the movie Gladiator. And... In that film, the central character who is the the general of one of the legions uh that successfully puts that puts down you know the uh the barbarians in Gaul, you know one of the things that he constantly is wanting to do until you know from their standpoint, fate steps in and changes everything for him forever is that you know he 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 goes to the emperor and he says, okay I, I've done the campaign now, our legions have won. I want to go back to Spain and take care of my wife and family and harvest my crops." He's a farmer, but a lot of people that served in the military in ancient Rome were everyday people, but they committed to a certain amount of service. But after that, they, quote, retired. But that doesn't mean it, it meant they would go back and do what been, they were cobblers or whatever it may be. In this case, the, the example was that of a farmer. But the point is, is that even in that kind of pagan setting, they had an understanding that there might be certain things that you would do over here. But when you were done with that, then you'd go back to this other thing that was another avenue for productive activity.
1: All right. And when we lose the focus of what's most important, the family is God's primary institution and it's important. And then the community and the church, et cetera. How many people who sacrificed their children because they were workaholics and working for that retirement and working for the day that they could do this or that, Now don't have access to their children or their grandchildren because the reality is, well, dad, you didn't, mom, you didn't put a lot of attention on us. Maybe we don't have to put a lot of attention on you. And so the, the idea of parents and grandparents being a burden is certainly not biblical and you'll lose a lot. I mean, I grew up with my grandparents living in the same house downstairs and There's a lot you learn, especially as a child from someone in their sixties and seventies, right? There's a, there's a perspective that they have that's not the same as somebody in their twenties and thirties. And so even separating out generations the way, um, our atomistic society has done so, um, leads people to feel like they don't have worth when in actual fact, um, they have tremendous worth, not only in helping their grandchildren's parents, their own children, but also in terms of imparting a perspective that their children in the midst of raising children don't have now that older people see the end from the beginning. So I think this this whole idea of does kingdom service have an expiration date, I would say not only does it not have an expiration date, it doesn't have a start date in the sense that Well, after you're 18, then you start serving the kingdom. No, I think this is you're born, your kingdom service begins. And maybe it begins as someone being trained by your parents. And then by the time you're older, then you're a trainer in the kingdom of God that helps younger people or newer believers recognize their role under God.
0: Yes, and from the time we are born into the culture in which we live, at least in these United States, we are engulfed, surrounded by, encased in a cultural and societal way of thinking that defines for us what serving the kingdom looks like, and the kingdom in this case means, as we've referred to before, the almighty state, and that's why people have these mindsets about retirement, There is uh, uh, there are feelings of uselessness and meaninglessness, uh, when this path is followed, and I think that's engineered into the entire system. It's, it's meant to be that way because it is the exact opposite of the biblical standard. And so understandably, there are many Christians today who have been talking about uh, creating or getting involved in intentional communities where people are attempting to move to a solidly biblical foundation uh, and a worldview where the the pagan ideas are pushed to the side, and we try to create a, a genuine uh, kingdom focused biblical society. And in doing that, I, I hope it's a priority for people who are successfully navigating those waters to recognize the the influence and the value of people at, at la- the latter stages of life. And I'm not just saying that because I happen to be one of those people as, <laughs> as you are, but I know, and and just in terms of my Calling and work when uh i was ordained into in pastoral ministry i probably spent the first couple of years constantly on the phone calling older ministers seeking advice i mean I, I had no blueprint i mean you go through seminary but they don't know what you know in terms of pastoral ministry that doesn't really help all that much you know you you get a lot more from somebody who's been down that path and they know the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts and uh so that right there, and just in that example, there's a tremendous opportunity for people who have retired. You and I, uh, in in previous ages, were involved in martial arts. Uh, some of the most valuable insights that I received in my martial arts training early on were from much older men who had been doing it a lot longer than I had. Now they didn't, they couldn't train and and compete and fight and work out like they did, you know, uh, decades earlier. But there was a wealth of knowledge that they have had that uh, you couldn't get anywhere else. And so there's another, I mean, it's a small example, but an avenue where uh, work and meaningful labor could continue in, in some type of context. And again, I think uh, the, the bottom line is the, the if the Bible was written before this modern concept of retirement was brought into existence, then what does that have to, have, does, does it have anything to say to us? Well, absolutely it does. You know, that's one of the standard, um, pagan rejections of, of biblical authority. Well, you know, it was written back in a, you know, a, a pre-industrial time where you had these nomadic people wandering around the desert, da 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 da. Um, but of course, that's a totally meaningless objection because people have not changed one iota. If anything, maybe they've gotten worse. So the advice and the guidance that we receive from God's Word is absolutely relevant to this issue, and it is the path of life. It's not the path of death.
1: Right. Unless anybody considers it an insult to be called ancient, let's not forget that the Bible talks about God as the ancient of days. So being ancient isn't a slur. It's, a, it's a, a, a positive beneficial thing because we're eternal beings. Our time on earth is limited. It's a blip on the screen. If you take human history, um, The amount of time that most people live probably wouldn't make it on a timeline unless it was miles and miles and miles long. So we need to have perspective that while we're here and work, as you said, the Bible talks about while there's still day, that we don't want to be remiss in seizing every opportunity to exercise what we're supposed to do before the Lord. Absolutely. So when it comes to recommendations, like we always like to give a book recommendation, and this may seem a little strange, but um I'm going to make it anyway. Dr. Rush Dunies, one of his later works that he wrote later in his life. And for those of you who wonder about new books that come out after his passing in 2001, these were written and were in a drawer. So he had written them, but he hadn't had them yet typeset and published, but his book, In His Service, and it's a biblical call to charity. And the interesting part about this book is that he spends, I don't know, a good number of early chapters, not even talking about charity, but talking about the law of God and the importance in having a biblical world and life view. So for those who are contemplating, okay, my time in my chosen profession, my time in my job will be coming to an end for legitimate reasons, and I'm not talking about the illegitimate reasons that we referenced earlier, but start looking at what you can do in terms of making the transition from this is my job to now, this is the area that I'm going to put my time and attention to. And it doesn't mean that it has to be something that doesn't produce an income, but it might not produce or have the need to produce an income if you're situated well enough that you don't need to be accumulating weekly, monthly, yearly income. But it gives you perspective on if your eyes are open, there's plenty to do. And the question becomes, are you prepared? And ready to answer the call to service those needs. So in his service, a biblical call to charity is a recommendation I would make to help you prepare for that. The same way people prepare for the time when their children will move out and they'll have an empty nest. You know, It doesn't mean that you stop functioning. And I would encourage people to put their attention on what their gifts are, what their interests are, and to serve God. In those capacities,
0: yes. And if I may, I would like to recommend. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, uh, Dr. Rustioni's book, uh, "Revolt Against Maturity." Um, he, one of the early chapters in this book is called "Work and Dominion," and uh, it's in this chapter where he does have a few things to say about the issue of retirement. But um, you can read this book online at the Calcedon website. I think it's just recently been put into ebook format. Uh, but if you're like me, you want it in all those formats. So I've got the hardback and the ebook, and I would <laughs> encourage our, our listeners and readers to avail themselves. It's a great – you know, I, I think it may be fair to say it's one of his lesser-known books, but I think it's one of his best, Revolt Against Maturity.
1: Yes, it was definitely a life-changer for me because I had always struggled with understanding psychology. And yes. coming to faith, I thought, well, psychology is something that the Christian has to put aside – And Rush Dooney dismisses that idea very handsomely, I might say. Also, I should add that for those who like to listen to books, a number of the titles, I think most of them at this point are in audio format. So whether you like to read on a device or hold a book in your hand or listen while you're working or driving, all these platforms are available to you.
0: Yes, and I think uh, one of the more recent things that has been done is, I don't know if these are just some of the lectures, but you not only can listen to the audio, but you can also get the PDF transliteration, the the printed version.
1: Transcript, it. yes.
0: Transcript, yes, what I was looking for. Yeah.
1: All right, well, I hope our listener who asked the question has received um, perspective when he listens to this. And uh, I especially like Charles, and I know you do as well, when people have questions that arise, especially when these questions arise from earlier podcasts they've listened to. So share them with us and uh, assume that if you have the question, somebody else might as well. So Indeed. out of the question podcast at gmail.com is how you reach us. Thanks, Charles, for another discussion. Thank you, Andrea. And we'll talk to you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.